You're listening to the Pinball Podcast Location Feature Series. Hey everybody, Jessica here. Today we are talking to Alan from Wedgehead in Portland, Oregon. Hey Alan. Hi Jessica. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Really well. It is very nice to talk to you. I miss you. I miss uh, Rhodes. I miss Wedgehead. Yeah, yeah. We don't miss Wedgehead because uh, oh. we're here all the time. But uh, <laughs> but if you were away for a while, while yeah, yes, hundred yeah, totally. <laughs> percent. Um, so Wedgehead was just to let everybody know um, some of the locations in the series I haven't been to and some I've been to a lot. And Wedgehead is one of my absolute favorite ever places to hang out and play pinball and have some good vegetarian foods and lots of drinks and hang out with friends. So um, if yes, you haven't you. been there yet, highly, highly recommended <laughs> um, from me. Um, your game selection is always outstanding. The games are always in really great condition. What if you had to, I know it's hard to pinpoint, but what would you say is like your favorite or most unique thing about Wedgehead? <clears throat> I, I think that right now, what I would, I would say that we, we transitioned during COVID to do a, what we call a private pod that, situation and it's it started off as like an adaptation to covid um with the limitations of how many people could be in the building how do we keep um games clean how do we uh provide a pinball experience in a safe place and uh it's something that both the staff and the customers seem to really really like uh it's sort of a really unique arcade experience you know, kind of the thing that makes me wish that I was a customer, <clears throat> you know, to, to come and enjoy it because it seems yeah. like it's really fun. Uh, but yeah, you know, we put our games on the free play and in each each room has anywhere from one to five machines in it. And basically you show up and the machines are on free play. You can rent it by the hour. And, um, you know, we have like a little call button in there and we, we come to you and We'll run you food and drinks so you never have to stop playing. You don't have to see people you don't know. It's a, it's a very yeah, – and, and really you get to session a game, you know. So, like, yeah. we have Rick and Morty. We have Mando that just came in. And, like, I, you know, when a new game comes out and the, and the first location has it, you show up and then you're just sort of waiting to play. And you play a couple quick games, but then there are other people waiting, you know. Yeah, and, over your shoulder. Totally. Yeah. And so at Wetched, you could – we offer that like here's the new game you can play it straight for an hour or two hours you know however long you want like and just really get to know the game and without being a jerk you know without without hogging the new machine and and letting you know not letting other people play so that's definitely the most unique part of wedgehead we also you know like um we just Typically, our game selection was always different, too. Uh, You know, like we always would have older games, um, not the typical. Because we have a space where we used to be able to have 25 games. I think we have 18 now. Uh, And so we're not the biggest location. And but it was always about a curation, you know, because Rhodesy, my business partner, has, you know, 120 pinball machines of all different eras and it was always about let's put in cool stuff, you know, like let's put in weird stuff. Let's put in stuff from the, from the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, um, you know, as well as, you know, the brand new games. Yeah. And that definitely shows that's a lot of why I was, you know, found Wedgehead so endearing to me as like an early solid state fan. You always had, an amazing selection like where else could i go to play alien star nowhere literally yeah. i've never seen it anywhere else on location yeah and that was i mean one of the like cleanest nicest playing frontiers i've ever seen yeah. um yeah and you should just... play our big game our big game is is in primo uh you you know eric hill 
Oh, I know Eric Hill. Yeah, Eric Hill does amazing work. Yeah, Eric Hill went through our big game and did the Eric Hill treatment on it. For those that don't know the listeners, he is a magician of solid state games. He will go in and not just do what all of us do when we work on pinball machines. He will go in and clean and adjust every single switch and adjust every light bulb socket on a machine, like start to finish, and that game will sing when it's done. So, oh yeah, he puts the wiring harnesses through the dishwasher. Yeah. That was the first time I had ever heard of that being done. Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, what is this? What? How? How? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Your wires are getting wet. But then he's like hanging them in a tree. Like he sent me step by step photos. He went through a meteor, and I had a meteor, and I was just like, can you kind of guide me? And he sent me everything, and I was like. Wow. <laughs> like I'm yeah. a little blown away by what's happening right now. He's, but his games are stunning. He's incredible. And that's not that's not what he does for a living. You know, he's yeah. a video editor and he he does he does those projects as as fun. And it's like something that's like in his soul. Like that's yeah. those are the games he loves and those are the games that he wants to work on. So, you know, we'll we'll send a lot of our games to Eric just to especially a lot of those those early solid state games and send them to him to just really that's the reason why they play so nice you know yeah. this eric eric does all the all the heavy lifting taking off the decades of gunk and muck and then we just keep them running yeah you they're know? like new when he turns them around and yes it's just outstanding i just saw pictures of um jake from rose city sent me over photos of sea witch that yeah. Eric just did, and I, my jaw was on the floor because see, which is my, you know, my great. I know love. that's your, that's <laughs> your baby. That's yeah. my baby, and to see the hill treatment as we have now trademarked it, <laughs> um, done on see, which was mind blowing. It was so so beautiful. So, um, yeah, but he does great work, and you guys always have, you know, a really stellar selection of games. The pod format for me, like when I first heard about it, obviously during the pandemic, that was just such an amazing idea, but I kind of thought of it like as a private karaoke booth or something like that, where it's just like totally. a bunch of your friends get together and like, maybe you're hardcore pinball people. Maybe you're not, maybe you just want to get like a space that's safe for you to be together and hang out and have totally. some dinner and some drinks and do something different and fun. Um, where you don't have to worry about people watching you sing or play pinball or whatever. Like it takes yeah. away an element of, you know, the, like you said, the people over your shoulder or feeling self-conscious or those kinds of things. If you're um, newer to playing, or even if you're experienced and just want to chill out and try something weird and um, you know, play in a more casual, less serious competitive kind of way, the booth I think kind of makes it a more chill environment sounding environment. So I love what you guys did with, you know, the way that you pivoted with that. And it's, it's a really cool way to approach that problem. Yeah. People seem to like people have responded in the casual people have responded in a way that is unbelievable. Like you seeing people, I think the ultimate joy in pinball and being, you know, heavily invested in pinball, uh, having a location, being an operator, um, I think the greatest joy you get is not hosting a big tournament, uh, even though those can be fun. Uh, I think it's the first time, if you can be there for a person's first pinball moment where they not just slapped a ball around, but they enjoyed it, or they had that moment where they they started a multi-ball or they destroyed a castle or whatever, yeah. and they, they go, oh, and they look to their friend and they go, you got to check this out. And they press start again, you know, and they're, and now they have that moment of like, I want to play more, you know, that, yeah. that um, if you can be there for those moments of getting new players and you get to see what, cause we've all had those moments. We all, you know, there was all a part of our lives where there was pre pinball that, uh, and then there's that moment where pinball just sort of clicks. And uh, what's really cool about being an operator and having a location is you get to see that. Uh, it's still rare, you know, you know, to catch that moment. But when you do, it's and the pods really have facilitated that so much more than it ever was before pre-COVID. So we get lots of groups in there that just um, 
will play and have just an amazing time and will just come out and be like, we're not any good. We don't normally play pinball. You know, we heard that it was a private room and the pinball was free or is on free play. And so, uh, you know, like, and now I love it. I love it. And they come back, you know, and they come back and they, and they, and they play and they, they come back to Wedgehead and they, they get different pods and they play different games. And, you know, we get to have this, talk you know we the regular customers and you get to talk pinball with them but also just talk movies and art you know we got an amazing historic movie theater the hollywood right up the street from us so we get people that come in from the movie theater and we could talk about what's playing at the hollywood you know and we're always showing weird movies on our screens and um you know we've got art all over the place it's just it's like a, a try which is trying to be a community space you know as much as you know, there are, there are arcades all over the country. Our, our location is, is different. I think even if you've been to a lot of arcades, um, yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> and that was, that was one of my favorite rituals when I was living in Portland, um, was my friend Nate and I would go to Kung Fu movie nights at the Hollywood. So good. So good. And well, we would, we would, uh, pre-party tiki and then yes. we would go to kung fu and then we would come to wedgehead afterwards and it was like the perfect trifecta of like hitting all of these really wonderful moments that just made for like the perfect night and it's like once a month i get to have this amazing yes. evening where i know i'm gonna hit all of these notes combining all of these things that i love <laughs> and it was always just the perfect way to cap that night off so and with the you know how conveniently you guys are located it was always just Perfect. Yes. Perfect nights. Okay. So I know that things have changed in terms of how the games are set up. So this is kind of like a past and present, but what do you think is the most underrated game that you have out right now or that you've had on location at Wedgehead? And why do you think people should or should have given it more of a chance than they did? Um, That's a really good question. If it's our all time lineup, um, I, I would just say I would say that in general, I would any game before 1986, people should play more. Like if you see it out on location, you should play it because uh, pinball's best eras, I think, personally speaking, were a long time ago. Like there's a lot of games coming out now, and you know, with licensed themes and all this stuff. And um, but there are like so many great games from the, I would say, from the 60s until like the early eighties that people just don't ever really sink their teeth into. They, they get too focused on modern games and don't give the grandparents their props, you know, like, (laughs) but they should like, I I mean, like I, I, like I love EMs. The reason why it's called Wedgehead is, you know, we're shaped in a wedge shaped building, but also, you know, it's the nickname of the old Gottlieb's with the wedge shape, the EMs, like, the wedge-shaped back box, like the classic yes. silhouette of a pinball machine. Even today, if an artist is going to draw one from memory, they're going to draw it with a wedge-shaped back box. Like that yeah. is what pinball is. And those games can be extraordinarily fun and difficult and satisfying. And they have cool artwork and uh, people don't play them. And I get they're brutal. They are, they're brutal. And it's just, it's a different game. But um, I just wish, I guess, Part of Wedgehead was always Rhodes and I would always put in games that were older uh, from EMs to solid states that we because we would put them in there because it was like people should play these games. And even if they didn't, you know, it was like (laughs) it was like it was like the people that got it. We knew, you know, like and we know all the people like yourself or some of our other regulars like we got another regular uh, Ty, uh, Ty Palmer, and he is obsessed with solid states from the from the 70s. Yeah, and, like that's all he wants to play, and uh, and that's it. And it's like for us, it's like that's how we know the connoisseurs, you know, because yeah. that's like that's the pure dope. Like <laughs> that is that is the good stuff, you know, <laughs> uncut. You know, like the new games is like they have gimmicks and they have ramps and and the lights and all that. It's like, and there are great modern games. Absolutely, there's great games in every era. I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. Um, yeah. But, you know, I would say if I had to say with our current lineup, like what's on the floor right now, it's probably it's uh, it's probably Bram Stoker's Dracula from the early 90s. I think that game is 
underrated or underloved for the modern era of pinball. Okay. Um, because when we have the proper lightning flippers on it, because I think that the yes, I think that the full size flippers are for cowards, and like I think it's for babies that don't that are scared of you know playing a playing a game properly and playing a game that's hard. You um, heard it here first. Uh, yeah, sorry, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I just I, I can't stand playing that game with full size flippers. Um, that and fishtails. I can't fishtails. I because yep. fishtails is another great game that is a fantastic game. It's it's short. There's not a ton of objectives, but with those flippers, just being you know just being uh, a sixteenth of an inch each, so an eighth of an inch shorter gap. Um, yeah just makes a big difference in the gameplay. It doesn't feel, the flow doesn't feel right with yes. longer flippers. Yes. And yeah. and it's just easy to slap save everything. And it takes a game that, that really takes a lot of um, ball control and skill. And it makes it really easy to just kind of miss a ton of shots and keep the ball alive and go through the game multiple times. So just yeah. those two games in general, those games with that Williams did with the lightning flippers, I believe are both very underrated games and they should never be substituted with full size flippers because again, that's for cowards. Uh, it's and a pinball crime. I, I fully agree with that. Like, and if you get a game that has them substituted, you should immediately delete them and put in the right flippers. Um, but, and I know there's some people that are listening to this that are probably like, you know, well, you know, Mark Ritchie designed fishtails with full size flippers. And I was like, I get it. I know the story. But here's the thing: came from the factory with the lightning flippers, and I've played both. There's it's it's night and day. The yeah. lightning flippers were the right choice. The designer's not right about everything, you know. Correct. Some are happy accidents too. So, yeah, sometimes it's meant to be that way, and I, I fully, wholeheartedly agree about the lightning flippers. Then again, I also sometimes put lightning flippers or weird flippers on games just for fun. I love um, that. I love that. Like, <laughs> I love just like, like putting those banana flippers on a game. Throw like, a banana flipper on a game. Yeah. yeah we did totally. that on the nine ball at sea bar. And oh man, it, bro- it broke my heart a little bit. Cause we had to take out the, the post, the Steve Kirk post from oh, the yeah. center, because if you left the post in there, the ball would just sit <laughs> between oh, the banana flippers yeah. on the post. There yeah. was no way to drain it. So, um, Yes, but I absolutely am all for. I put those the little um, Starship Trooper flipper, the really tiny flipper yes. on Starship Troopers. I put that onto uh, Metallica or Elvira, <laughs> stiff something. Just like little Fang flippers on it, yes. just to make it really brutal for people for fun. This is uh, this is my fun place. I like okay. that. Of all, I know Rosie has so many games, um, but. Of all of the games that exist or have existed or could exist, what is your wish list game to bring to Wedgehead? Jeez, this is this is definitely the hardest question. Uh, <laughs> like the the list could be very long, but they would all be EMs that probably nobody's really heard of. So I will uh, I will save you that, but I, it'll still be an old game. The the game that came to mind when you asked me that question is amazing Spider-Man by Gottlieb 1980. Yeah. It's a system one. Um, it's a fun game. It's a wide body. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a flat play field, street level play field. I love the game. I love the sounds. I love the art. Um, I love the, like the, the sprayed metallic silver um, cabinet that it has um it's it's just a game that i love playing and uh you don't see them for sale very often Rhodes doesn't have one you never see it on location yeah. so that's probably that would probably be the grail game for wedgehead if i could if i had to pick one today that's that's okay. what it would be Perfect. So by the time anyone is listening to this, the game may have changed. So we'll just put a little asterisk. Well, yeah, there's so many games <laughs> out there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for the one that the one that came to mind when you asked me that question was Gottlieb Amazing Spider-Man. Perfect. I love it. It's a good choice. There's a there's a spot out in Fort Myers, Florida, uh, the Pinball Asylum that has one. 
Oh, so cool. whenever I get out there, they're they're like a private, um, you know, membership club kind of thing. But nice. when they do have events and I get to go there, I 100% will pay. Back. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Yes. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so aside from Wedgehead, when if you ever got time off, because I know how insanely busy you are, um, to go play pinball somewhere, where do you like to go play? What's your favorite place aside from your own? This this is actually very easy. Okay. Uh, it is the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas. Uh, I think I've been going there for 15 years. They just moved into a new building. Yes. Um, but... I credit Tim Arnold, the owner, with instilling my deep love of EMs. And my mother-in-law lives in Vegas, so I, I, I have to go every year at least, sometimes twice a year. Um, and I always go there and spend five or six hours a day, you know, playing <laughs> almost 100% EMs like, when I'm there because he has – you know, and he just moved into a bigger space that just opened that I have not been to on the strip, but he used to have like 400 machines and like, I think at least 200 of them, about half were EMs or yeah. really solid states and his EMs play. Some of the games don't play that well, the, mo the more modern games, but his EMs always play really well. Yeah, you can tell where his love is. You can tell where his EMs play fantastically. Yeah, they play everything so else well. is questionable. Yes. <laughs> and and I kind of get it. Like I get it because I like I would play, and you know, part of it is like I get to live in Portland, is which is a city that has a ton of pinball machines, and we have a ton of pinball machines, and I could play all the modern stuff. You see the same games everywhere. Uh, so when I get to play these games that I might that I've never seen anywhere else. Um, these EMs, like I, I'm just like a kid in candy store. So I don't think that there's, I've been to some of the other ones, like the spot in Alameda in California, and they got some good EMs. Uh, but there's just really no comparison for me. And again, that's a very, I'm a very small market because like, I really like older games. Like I love, I love, just like you, I love the solid states and I really love EMs when they, when you get it, when you get one that's playing snappy and clean and plays yeah. like it should, um, they're, they're a bear to maintain just cause they're so different and people have lost that kind of skill set. Um, I'm trying to pick up that skill set. Exactly. It's really challenging. It's challenging. It's so different the way everything works on those games. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people's impression is they play one that's really old and hasn't been tuned up. And they're just like, oh, it's really slow and pokey. And you're like, yeah, but if you put all new rubbers in, you clean every switch and you adjust everything, like, and you high tap it, those games can play fast. Like, yeah. they can play fast and they can play, um, f they're, they're a lot of fun. They're very, I, I, I can just play EMs all day. I can play EMs and solid states all day. In fact, if all modern pinball fell off the face of the earth and never existed, it would, it wouldn't matter. Like, and I like modern games. I do like modern games. I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon. Yeah. Like, I don't like modern games. We have a Rick and Morty. I love that game. Been playing the yeah. crap out of it. Uh, we have a Mando. Very fun. And been enjoying that. You know, I, some of my favorite games are modern games. You know, my favorite game of all time is Whitewater. So it's not, it's, but when, when I think about a location or I think about like what pure pinball is, it's the older stuff. It's not the newer stuff. Yeah. I 100% I agree with that. I had always said that I wasn't going to buy any modern games for home because I can play them other places. You know, Iron Maiden turned that mm -hmm. around for me because I also feel like Iron Maiden has a lot of details that kind of harken to early solid state games. Yes. So, um, you know, just those upper loops and things like that feel very solid. Yes. State I mean, that's the big, that's the big thing about the older games is the layouts are what everyone complains about the modern games layouts being cookie cutter, being the same stuff. They didn't used to be that way. Like yeah. the older games, EMs and solid states are wild. Like the, the size of the flippers, the placement of the flippers, like <laughs> where you, where you could or could not put a pop bumper or whatever. I mean, oh, Scott yeah. Denise is changing that a little bit with his games, but it's like, it used to be so different before now everything's so standardized. And, and then, 
people that only play modern games, like they get upset when they play a game that they're like, this shouldn't be the way, like there shouldn't be a pop bumper here instead of a slingshot on Rick and Morty. And you're like, I mean, you should play some of the older games where stuff is, I mean, Another game I love is Spanish Eyes, like that that pop bumper below the flippers. Between the flippers, yes. It's so cool. Like, not to mention the art package on that game. It's just yeah. incredible. Like Right? Yeah. I I really wanna like get some old style art packages onto some newer, you know, like yes. pull that. I want stenciled cabinets again. I like, know. I, so cool. I love those elements. Have you, have and... you, like, I love the, what's your favorite stencil cabinet? Oh my What gosh. jumps out, what jumps out to you? Cause I got one in my head. Well, I, I really adore Matahari's cabinet. Oh, that's a great one. Yep. Just, it's so bold and beautiful and like the striking female figure, just like, I don't know. It's like female positivity, like all those like beautiful things, but like she's, you know, there's something going on. You could see something like totally. even yeah. in the simplicity of the shape, you <laughs> yes. can see something in her eyes or something sinister there. It, they yeah. just did such a, like a beautiful job with just a couple of colors in this cut stencil. And I was just like, man, that is gorgeous. <laughs> totally. That's a great choice. What, what jumps out at you? You have one in your head already. Oh yeah. Uh, Bally mystic. I like them. I love the mystic cabinet because it's, it's blue and it's like white and gold stencil. Um, but it's got like these uh, like Pharaoh headdress with a skull, you know, like a skull wearing like a Pharaoh headdress and like these snakes on it. These like cross snakes. And uh, it's, it's just so cool. Like, it's just so like, just like I, that's one of my favorite games in general. Like I love mystic. Like Mystic and uh, Mystic Frontier, big game. Those are like those are like the big three to me from the Solid State era. And uh, Mystic and Frontier are both designed by George Christian, same guy. So I'm actually a big George Christian fan. I like pretty nice. much all of his games. I was thinking of you guys because I I went to Kickback in Pittsburgh and they mm. had a Mystic, and I was Very like, cool. oh. This like brings me back to Wedgehead time. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I never really got to spend a lot of time on Mystic aside from when you guys put it out at Wedgehead. So, yes. Um, yeah, that's an excellent, excellent choice. I love it. Um, totally switching gears because I'm great at segues. What <laughs> is your favorite song? Like a song that you just never get tired of. Every time you hear it on the radio, you stop and you listen to it. Oh yes, Holy Diver by Dio. Uh, he <laughs> is the best song ever. Um, <laughs> I'm a Dio fan, obviously. What like that's if you've never been to Wedgehead, we we throw a birthday party for Dio every year on his birthday. We also do one for Kurt Russell on his birthday every year. Yes, you uh, do. And both of those are just those are my fandoms uh, leaking out into the business that I own, kind of putting this the my personality onto the small business. But uh, I would say Holy Diver, like the. I, since I was a teenager, like just love Dio songs. I love the intros. I think he has the best like intros and drops in heavy metal. And I think that Holy Diver is like the best example of it. It's got, it starts off with this like wind rustling slowly. It picks up and it turns into like this screeching howl. And then a second of complete silence. And then the storm like hits you full blast. And it, it just, it just like like just like smacks into the song and you know and the guitar comes in just like it's just and then you know dio was just you know he's i don't know what he was maybe like five foot three or something and just could just sing like a demon and uh and it's just it just never fails to get me pumped up like i'm a i'm a metalhead and uh it's the one song that I will play to non-metalheads to try and convert them because I think it's got everything. It's got melody. It's got a story. It's got crazy vocals. And uh, it's just so good. I can listen to that song every day and often and often do. So <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Uh, favorite beverage? Ooh, this is another easy one. Uh, horchata. Horchata, the rice milk drink. Um, I am from, I'm a San Diego native, so I was basically weaned on it. Uh, it's in every taco shop. Um, it's, it's always, it's always available. In fact, now we make our own at Wedgehead. Uh, my wife makes it 
and she makes a vegan horchata because typically horchata will have a uh, it'll have some cream in it, and uh, we have done away with that. So we I never knew delicious until okay, and I cannot wait to try your wife's drinks. Like the takeaway cocktails is oh, such yeah. a great idea. I can't wait to try most all of them that I've seen you guys post about, but uh, I didn't know that horchata wasn't normally vegan until I saw you guys like highlighting that. And I was like, that's so odd because I've never, you know, I've had it a few times where it has not tasted like there's any dairy in it. So I guess I just assumed that it was not, but you set me straight up that one. Yeah. You got to be careful. It's one of those things that really it does not, there's no reason it needs to. It's just, you know, lazy. I don't know. I guess it's just like why, you know, it's only now that you see coffee shops carry other options to of, of different, you know, milks or creams, but it was always like, I guess the default is always dairy, you know? So like it was, yeah. it was the same, like, even though you always started with rice milk, which is vegan, you, for the body of the, you know, for texture and the body of it, you know, it's always mixed with some other milks. And we use, we use a mixture of rice milk, oat milk and coconut milk. Okay. Uh, make ours. Yeah, I always just thought it was rice milk, but there's there are so many weird. I just got, and I'm not I'm not like a big coffee drinker. I'll do tea, like you know English style. So I'll do like a little bit of creamer and and sugar and stuff like that if I want something sweet because I don't have a huge sweet tooth. But uh, I just found the other day it was like an oat milk, but with mushrooms, and I'm like I want oh. mushrooms in everything yeah. on the planet, so I have to. Get this. Yeah. Yeah, so mushroom milk now is a thing, I guess. Interesting. I don't know. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, the world's a weird place, but I like it. Yeah, I just do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you've got your drink. What is your favorite local restaurant? This is also probably pretty easy for me. I love Deuce Teriyaki right up the street from us. Uh, it's a Portland staple but pretty much only the locals know about it. It's not in any of the buzzy kind of like hipster lists or publications that flood the city. It's really like a no frills type of spot, which is my favorite type of spot. Like they focus on the product and not on the interior design because it's just like a little hole in the wall. It's been there forever. Um, It's a go-to lunch spot for construction workers or firefighters or, you know, service industry people like to just get nice. a quick bite. Um, food's, food's good quality. It's fresh. Uh, it's delicious, you know, and they have, they're, they're known for their chicken teriyaki, but they also have excellent vegan noodles and bowls as well. So it's a I've good been spot. there once, only once because I didn't find out about it until like right before I was leaving. So That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's, when I, when, I, when I say like, you know, like when I say like only locals know about it, I mean, like I, I had lived in Portland for maybe six years before I learned about it. Yeah. And I was like, why wouldn't anyone tell me this? You know, like, and it's just like this, like, oh, yeah, deuce. Yes, it's great. Like, I was like, I was like, it sort of seems like it's intentionally kept a secret. Um, yeah, but, but now you've outed them. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, they just, I mean, they're always busy, you know, and they have a second location, but like they deserve to be even busier than that. So, yeah, that I don't think they're going to be bogged anyway. down with podcast traffic, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> totally. that's a great choice. No, and it's super convenient to, uh, to watch head too. So I like it. Um, all right. Favorite action movie. I know we've already got the Kurt Russell plug in there, but, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. What do you got? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, this could, this could just as easily be just pick a Kurt Russell movie. Um, cause he's my favorite actor, but this really is like, you really asked some good questions. Cause this is, this is like another really, um, difficult one for me that it could be a very long list because I love, campy action flicks from the eighties and nineties. Like it's definitely, it's definitely like my favorite genre. Like we should just talk about this alone sometime. Like I, cause I love to just talk about action movies because I grew up as a kid. I remember going to the video store and renting them. Um, and it's, it's just something that I could watch any, any day, anytime. Um, but I'll, but I'll give you one since, since you asked for favorite. 
So again, it's kind of like the Amazing Spider-Man. It's like this is the one that immediately jumped out when I was sort of thinking. I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say one, you know? All right, well, so I'll pick one, um, and I'll say probably Cliffhanger uh, yes. from the early '90s. It's got John Lithgow as the villain, and he's incredible. Like I think any good action movie needs a great villain, and he is great. Like. He's unhinged. He's, he's, he's hammy. He's he's everything you want him to be. You know, um, he's so versatile. Like yes, when you think about like his body of work and just how he can like mold his personality so well into all these little crevices of these different roles that he has to take on. You're just like, he could be incredibly sweet and warm and wonderful. Yes. Or he could be super creepy or just like, yes. he just picks it all up and goes with it. And normally you have actors who get cut, like typecast into that kind of thing. And then if totally. you saw them on the street, you'd be like, that guy's a real creep, but not him. I grew up, I grew up. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up and I remember just watching him at, as the weird alien dad on uh, Third Rock from the Sun. So, like, the first time I saw him in, in a movie as the bad guy was Cliffhanger. And I was like, oh, my God, this, is, <laughs> this guy's crazy. Like, you know, and then he was in Dexter and uh, and he plays a psychopath in Dexter. And he but he can move in between. Like, like you said, like he's got so much range and it never seems it never seems um, you believe it, you know, it's totally genuine. He's, uh, he's incredible in it. And it's directed by Rennie Harlan, who also did another favorite movie of mine, deep blue sea. Um, and cliffhanger. It's just got so many great scenes. Like there's that one where, Oh, and Sylvester Stallone's in it. Obviously it's a Stallone oh, right. for anyone that doesn't know. <laughs> uh, it, it, there's a scene where like Sylvester Stallone, he's fighting this guy in an ice cave. And, uh, you know, he ends like up grabbing do. the guy, you know, the guns get kicked away, you know, and uh, and then they're fighting one on one with their bare hands. And he ends up grabbing this guy and he military presses him above his head, like up through like a stalactite, like a, like an icicle and yes. uh, and kills him. You know, there's the, there's the <laughs> other one. There's the other one where he uh, tackles a goon and they're like they're like tussling as they're like sliding down a mountain face and he gets on top of him and sort of is like riding him like a sled while like kind of <laughs> punching him in the face like like <laughs> there's, there's just so much good stuff in that movie like because it's not afraid like rennie harlan the director is not afraid to go full camp to go full yeah. cornball um you know there's the zip line between the two planes there's it's there's so much and then there's the opening scene which has been like satirized a million times, you know, like I remember it was in Ace Ventura Two: pet detective. Like they satirized the opening scene of cliffhanger. It's been on the Simpsons. It's been done a million times, you know, like, but uh, I just love that. It's a, I just love that. It's full blown nineties action cheesecake. Yes. Totally unabashedly. It's set in the Rocky mountains. And I think that's cool too. Cause it's cool to see, nature as the backdrop instead of some like dense urban city it's just yeah. like a change of pace so it's it's all that action cheesy goodness you know so many like one-arm pull-ups and catches <laughs> and like you know like it's, just, it's so good like i can watch it anytime it's like i've watched it twice in the last year it's one of those movies that like i love showing people that i've never seen it yes. uh, so 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 that's definitely like on my short list of favorite action movies. And if I had to, if I had to pick one today, that's the one that, that leaps out. Okay. Asterisk, because that's the one for today. So on the day that the podcast comes out, it may be a different one, which is fine. And I love it. I know that several times you and I have been like, oh, kindred spirits, but definitely like the eighties, nineties action cheese. Yes. Yes. Uh, 100%. If anyone's just like, well, what do you want? To, what do you feel like watching? You can throw on any, any yes, any yeah. It's like if big, you want cheesy action movie and you want to yes, put on Robocop, great, love it. You know, you want to put on yeah. Demolition Man, let's do it. Predator, let's do it. Like whatever, like whatever you want to do. Like, like I love Tango and Cash also because that's like that combines Stallone with Kurt Russell. So that's another one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, like probably my favorite movie of all time, irregardless of genre, is Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell, yes. directed by John Carpenter. And I guess that's technically an action movie and I thought about including it, but I wanted to, I wanted to branch out, you know, but that's, you know, that's a movie that I've seen hundreds of times and we'll watch anytime, 
any okay. any any time. This this particular set of the podcast is not supposed to be like talking about new machines that are coming out or whatever. But I have to share because you'll appreciate this. My moment with the spooky reveal of Halloween coming out, right? Like yes. John Carpenter, great, um, really cool that Charlie's getting to do something that he's wanted to do for a long time in his genre. Very cool. But as so, this was how it was presented to me: like, here's the reveal for Halloween, and then they followed it up straight away with the second reveal, and. <laughs> I hadn't seen it because I was working, but my partner says to me, Spooky just released a second game. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> He's like, no, right away, like immediately after Halloween. And like, I was like, oh my God. I was like, they have John Carpenter rights. Is it Big Trouble in Little China? Because oh, I will throw God. all of my money at I them know. right now. Please tell me it's Big Trouble in Little China. Totally. And then he was like, oh, it's Ultraman. And I was just like, okay, that's still cool. But in my heart of hearts, yeah. I was really hoping this was a two for John Carpenter deal and that we were going to get the Pork Chop Express. Oh, yeah. If, I'm like, please. I hope please. that they do it. I mean, Spooky is probably the company to do it because yeah. um, it's a niche game. It would it would be a niche, a more niche uh, type of license. I don't see Stern doing it and I don't see JJP doing it. Um, maybe American if they're going to keep making games. I don't know, but like... I, I, like any of those, like if, if they did the thing, if they did Escape from New York, if they did uh, Big Trouble, like oh, you know, I, it's like like I'm into, I'm in, totally in, yes, you know? like a hundred percent in. So, um, okay, and since you've already mentioned Whitewater, are you getting Whitewater vibes from the new Spooky? It is interesting, isn't it? Um, no, because uh, and the reason is because. Okay, so here's a look. The only thing that I'm, you know, we'll, we'll see. And we might buy it. We're, we're considering buying a Halloween as it yeah. goes on sale here. Um, but uh, I, upper play fields are not my jam, which is which is interesting that my favorite game is Whitewater. It's Whitewater. <laughs> this is what I always tell people. Uh, and this is what I told Dennis Nordman when I met him, um, you know, and was just fan, just fangirling out, you know, to him and just annoying him with, uh, you know, just me speaking a million miles an hour, just being like, I love this game. It's the best game. You know, it's like, whatever. I mean, actually, it's the type of game that like people that know me is like, I also whitewater raft as a hobby. Um, but that's another one of my hobbies. I have my own raft. I like to go rafting. Um, you know, I like to get out in nature and boat. But, uh, you know, so people are like, oh, well, naturally, you're it's the theme. And I was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. You don't understand. Like, I fell in love with that game, and that's why I started doing it in real life. So it wasn't, it's it's not, I, I like whitewater rafting, so therefore I like the whitewater rafting game. It's not that at all. It's, I like the whitewater rafting game so much that I decided I'm going to do this in real life. Right. So, you know, the game is so good, it made me, it brought me into a different hobby altogether. But, uh, so... So this is what I would say is Whitewater to me is really the only game that's ever truly done the upper playfield right. And by that, I mean, upper playfields, the problem that I see with them is it takes, it makes, a, it, it really neuters a game because anytime a ball is on an upper playfield, all it's going to do is go back to the lower playfield. You're never, you never lose the ball with the exception of maybe like black hole you know, where you could lose the ball in that lower play field, which I think is great. Um, yeah. But it's like the fun of pinball, and people don't realize this until you're playing it, but it's like it makes the game longer having an upper play field. But it's like really what makes it exciting is that you're always in this constant flux of um, you could always lose the ball, you know, but when you're in an upper play field, you can't. So I think it's not, I think that's what, and with Whitewater, what's great is like the ball comes with force either up the left ramp or it gives you one kick out. But what's great about it is you have one shot. You have you have one flip at one of two shots and you have to alternate those shots. And then the ball's immediately back down at the lower flippers. Yep. And I think that that's how every upper play field should be. If they're if it's going to be included at all, I think he, I think you sort of think Dennis sort of cracked the code, which is why I like that game and I don't like others. But you know, it's teach their own. Some people love that stuff, you know. Totally. I just have to ask because I, someone had mentioned it. And with you mentioning that 
and us kind of talking about it, even though we're totally not talking about new games. Um, yeah, it was just an interesting, like, visual, like, huh, two ramps up the center, and then you got the scoop on the side. Like, there were just a few things that totally. looked yeah, potentially I, I, promising I can, because it had that kind of vibe. I can see that. I mean, uh, yeah, I just, Whitewater's one of those games that is so different from any other game that's ever been made. And I know people have tried to say, I've heard the Big Lebowski is Whitewater-like. Um, but I have yet huh. to play it. Uh, and when you look at the play field, you can kind of see it. Um, yeah. But I also think that there's like a garage up there. So there's a chance for you mm-hmm. kind of hit a target a bunch of times, you know, yes. without without losing the ball. But the thing I love about Whitewater is I love the flow of the game. I love the rule set. I love the art package. I love the goofy humor. Um, it's really, to me, it's, I mean, that's why it's my favorite game. It's because I think it's like, the perfect combination of everything. I think Chris Graner, who did the sound on it, is the best of all time. And that's one of his best games of all time. He also did Fishtails. He did Whirlwind. He did, you know, he did Twilight Zone. He did all the best stuff. Yeah. You know, he did all the best stuff. And I think it's actually, <laughs> I think it's a crime that he's not in pinball now uh, because he should be. And like Stern should, they should bring him back because I think that's something that they don't do as well as the 90s games. The yeah. big thing that stands out to me is is the light and sound and um, the packages. And it's they were doing that in the early 90s. Yeah. You know, when, it's like, it's like, give Chris Grander a job. I, I know I'm sure he's making more money doing other stuff somewhere else. But like, <laughs> needs him. He's a, he's a genius, a mad scientist. Nobody it's and nobody's even come close since. I mean, well, I we guess, just, you know, I like Scott Denisi. I like what Scott Denisi does. He's, he's like the only guy that does, that sort of seems to understand the value of that part of it. Truly, you know. We just need to send up like a bat signal, but it's a big speaker. Yeah. Just be like, we need your help. Yeah. I, it's a lot of licensed sounds now, so things are very different, but. Um, true. Yeah. True. That's, that's another thing that I'm, I mean, Sea Witch, for example. There are wave sounds, like calming wave sounds in the background. Yeah, while you're play, like, I mean, yes, and fit in, in like uh, Frontier. It's got the crickets and the wolf howls and like, and it's it's yeah, those little earworms. But but I mean, you can do it on licensed themes too because I mean, look at Adam's Family. It's a licensed yeah. theme, and the the Showtime callouts and the and the electricity running when you start the multi ball and. And you get Raul Julia in there, and it's like, it, it, it's just, it can be done, but it's not done to the level that it was in the 90s. I really think that there was a different, it was a, it was a higher quality. It was a, and, and I would, I, fingers crossed, hopefully it comes back, you know, uh, but I just feel like nobody cares as much about the sound and everything's about, they're doing like LCD animations, which personally I could care less about. Like, it's, me too. <laughs> give me, give me alpha just give me numbers. Like, I don't even need, I don't need animations at all. Like, I'm playing a game. Like, and there are some of the dot matrix animations that I love, like the drumming fish of fishtails. Yes. For the replay, I think it's hilarious. And the, there's some great stuff. But like, if if it's a cost thing, save yourself the money. You know, keep the LCD screen. Just put up. You know, just put it could. Just take old alarm clocks from thrift stores and put those displays in there. So, so that's my score, you know, and like, just give me more of what I want. Like, hire Chris Graner with that extra cash. Like, you hear that, Stern? They don't listen to this. <laughs> they don't. We'll pretend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're talking about people who are great at their crafts and artists and things of that nature in a sound realm, but. Let's flip it over to visuals. Who's your favorite visual artist? And it doesn't have to be a pinball-based um, artist that we're talking about, but it could be. That, see, this is, man, you really ask some tough questions. Or maybe they're just tough for me. I don't know. They're tough for everybody. Nobody likes uh, answering these. Because um, there's something about, like, for people that haven't been to Wedgehead, like, something we do at Wedgehead that is different than most other let's say pinball locations is that we invest heavily in art. Like we've, inc- we've covered our interior walls and murals from all different types of rad artists, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of other arcades that have murals, like, but what sets us apart is that no disrespect, but like ours aren't like the same 
corny pinball and arcade game cliche that other spots tend to have. Not naming any names, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's no like Mario jumping on mushrooms or Pac-Man's or whatever. You know, like yep. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that stuff. Like, there's no pinball related murals in Wedgehead. They're all true. Like, they're all from graffiti artists to um, sign painters. Um, you know, to to and they're all different styles. And that's the point is like, it's different styles of painters and artists. And we also do just a ton of, you know, we're always commissioning art. That's part of it is like always support art and pay artists. And so we're always commissioning. We, we sell way more merch than we should for our size or our popularity, but it's no, just no. because you should sell more. Cause your stuff is great. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we sell it is because it's great and the art's great, you know, but I mean, I'm just saying as far as like, it's like, you know, not a lot of people even know who we are or that we exist. So it's, you know, the, the amount that we sell is because we don't do the same things that everyone else does, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we, we want there to be a variety and we don't want art to have anything to do with the games. It's just like, it's sick art, full stop. That's it. That's all yeah. we care about. You know, we, um, you know, there's, and we, we, you know, we try to just like you do, Jessica, like we try to do different stuff too. Like, it's like, it's like, we'll offer, you know, koozies and stickers and, and, you know, like the bags and, and hoodie as well as hoodies and t-shirts. And like, you know, I actually got to talk to you about like, like, what do you do when you do a tank top, like tank top recommendations? Cause I'm thinking we might do some of those for the summer, uh, coming yeah. up, but, uh, I know you do a lot of that. So, but, um. Yeah, I would say, so it's hard for me to, to limit this again, because we could just talk about art all day and, and different artists. But since this is a pinball podcast, I know it doesn't have to be a pinball artist, but I would say that he is a pinball artist. And I would say it would be Gordon Morrison. Um, he was the artist from, I believe, I think he did pretty much all of the art for Gottlieb in the 1970s. So up until the early 80s, he took over for the legends Art Stenholm uh, that did all those stuff in the 60s that were a little more angular um, type designs. Everything kind of like pointy, pointy elbows and people, triangle people, um, which is also really cool. And I enjoy that art. But Gordon sort of took over as a staff artist back when Gottlieb that, you know, back when pinball was making more money than the movie industry in America and and Gottlieb was the king. They were the stern pinball is now, or the Bally Williams was of the nineties. They were the king of the industry and he did every game. <laughs> like, I think there's, there's, there's one or two near the end in the early eighties when he was still doing some, but they brought in another artist, but like pretty much anything from like 69 to like 81 or two is pretty much guaranteed to be a Gordon Morrison. And I just love his stuff, including the, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, which I mentioned as my Grail game, um, but he Did does. Did he do Abracadabra? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he is incredible. Like his body of work is. I mean, I'm just I'm just blown away. And with a pinball machine, a lot of a lot of what I love about it is the first thing that drew me to pinball was the art. You know, and yeah get on the old games actually the modern games are getting good art again you know which is kudos to them because there's there's a point where stern man was putting out some ugly games yeah um you know and spooky too not to they know they know they know what they're doing now is much better than what they did before like that halloween art is great um but uh you know there's this point it's like another one of my favorite games is iron man from stern but man the art you know it's like that it's from that period of stern games where like art was uh i mean calling it art is generous i guess it's you know photo collages uh and printed low res but <laughs> you know we we were doing so well um mm -hmm. until <laughs> until you just you just said that iron man was one of your i'm very sorry our connection's breaking up oh uh, really <laughs> That's that's been a point of contention for a long time on the podcast between me and Jeff is that I absolutely despise Iron Man. <laughs> really interesting. I do, I yeah. do. 
Yeah, no, uh, you're not you're not alone. I think uh it's it's a game that pretty much every tournament player I know hates. Um but I also just choke that up because like cause it'll just in, embarrass people in a tournament. Um, that's fine. I find lots of ways to embarrass myself. I just don't find it pleasurable to play. So that's always been my problem with it. But um, but we're going to focus on the positive um, <laughs> because you've chosen an excellent artist. Because I just uh, found out that he also did Strange World, which is yes. like my if I could pick an EM to have like pluck an EM out of the ether that won't cost an insane amount of money, because for some reason that game costs an insane amount of money is the trippiest, coolest art package. Oh my gosh. The giant mountain people. Yes. Like the cave mouths and like all of the, yes. Like I love if anybody out there has not seen strange world, please go look up the art. I adore it. Yeah. That's that's why I chose Gordon because like he's he's the guy that like and his stuff is so varied, um, you know. Because they even did some like I think he, he's done you know they did some like licensed stuff and then there's all the unique stuff and he'll do psychedelic work and and there's there's parts where he's even doing sort of the the kind of classical Americana stuff that art uh, the Gottlieb artist before him the legendary Gottlieb artist before him was doing. Um, but he's just, it's the best. Like, I wish I would have gotten to meet him in person. Um, uh, but he passed away. But it's, I love his art. I always have. And since this is a pinball podcast, I figure, like, that's the one that stands out. That's a great, that's a great one. I really like that a lot. And now I'm thinking about Strange World again. But yeah. it's, I mean tons of really great like charlie's angels is you know one of those licensed yes. games yep but um that's another game that's just so incredibly fun to play even though the layout seems like it's very simple yeah there's just adore. again just get back to older games they're they're really the best stuff out there like if for any listener that doesn't believe so you just haven't played enough pinball yet hopefully you'll come around like just <laughs> play those games play them over like play them try to get a high score try to beat your high score uh, get your friends over, play some dollar games on them. You'd be surprised. Yes, like, I love dollar games forever. Yeah, go to Wedgehead, get a pod that has some earlier games. Like the the new ones are all nice and flashy, but really go chill out and spend some time, you know, playing a game that you haven't played before, maybe, or that you haven't spent a lot of time on. It's a great opportunity to do that. So. Oh yeah, and we have people. We have people that that play games that like the like the new the the sword of rage the black knight we have the pro and it's set up viciously um like as is our style but we have people that are just like i never play this game because it just used to just kill me but now that i got a pot and got to play it like i really enjoyed it and there's there's a lot of that and like you know like get a chance rick and morty will embarrass people too that game is difficult even for even for a, a decent pinball player so, but you know, that's, what's cool about the pod setup. It's like, you can really session a game. It's, it's a little bit more like the home experience. Like if you were to buy a game, you know, the game's on free play, you can play it as much as you want. Nobody else is going to bother you. you Nobody's know, looking over your shoulder but you know, <laughs> for, for a shorter amount of time, you know, and much yeah. less money and headache. Yeah. You're renting a game that you don't have to do any maintenance on. You don't have to get it carted into your house and someone will bring you delicious food and drinks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a good plan. I like this. Why do I own all these machines? Why am I not just renting pods? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's a thing. Well, it's because you also like tinkering with them. That's part of it. Like, yes, if you did not enjoy that part of it, it's it's makes no sense because yeah. you you really have to enjoy the process. You have to enjoy rebuilding flippers and pop bumpers. And pop bumpers are the worst. I hate doing pop bumpers on games. Old, older games, it's okay when they're like totally accessible but when they're hidden under ramps and you're pulling everything apart and they mount from the top and the bottom and you're just like, right. you're just like this is why nobody rebuilds pop bumpers this i need is- a third arm yeah, yeah. like yes. so <laughs> yeah this is also why um i love early solid states yes slightly more accessible totally. street level always yeah um, okay, so we talked about Vegas and you going out there and 
now that people are able to kind of travel a bit more and get out there and restrictions are being lifted, you get in the car, where are you going? What's your favorite road trip destination? Utah. Any particular place in utah utah i'm i'm an outdoorsman so like i like i'm a happiest outside like i love camping hiking rafting as i've discussed like uh, mountain biking and utah is just like utah is the most beautiful state in the country i we used to do i love doing road trips because as a kid my dad you know we would have the summers off from school my sister and i and my dad would take us us the whole family and we would do uh, two week or three week long road trips. And we got to see most of the country, you know, so I've been to, been to every state except Hawaii. Uh, no, and Alaska. I haven't been to the two continentals. And I think we might've missed one of the states like in the Midwest just by accident, but I've been to pretty much every state and we would go to national parks and, um, national forests and, national monuments. So, you know, it was stuff that I didn't fully appreciate as a kid, but now has sculpted me into the person I am. And Utah is just my favorite. Like, it's like another world. It's like being on an alien planet. Um, Just the rock formations and the colors of the rock. And, and when you, it's the desert, but they have rivers. So when you get to, it's just this magical combination of everything for me. So like, that's my happy place. Like I love going, you know, Zion or Capitol Reef or um, Arches or, you know, it's just, it's really never ending there. So like, that's my favorite place to go. I love it. I haven't been yet. I have a friend who moved there um, a couple years ago and I'm like, I have to come visit. You have to go. Like, (laughs) and and there's some cool stuff. Like Salt Lake is a cool town. You know, they, they have some cool stuff, like some cool music venues and record shops. And uh, I hear quarters in Salt Lake City is pretty cool. I have not been. Um, cause usually when I'm going to Utah, I'm going to, um, Southern Utah, you know, where all the national parks are, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, so there's, there's stuff going on, you know, Utah can be fun. I think, I think everyone, you know, just, I think people have the wrong conception. I mean, some of it's correct. Like there are, you know, like it's hard to get booze. It's, you know, it's, it's weirdly conservative. In, in certain ways, um, but don't they have legalized marijuana there? No, I don't believe so. Unless they did that recently. Okay. I, I don't, not to out my friend, although she would out herself, but there's no way she was going to move to a state that didn't have legalized marijuana. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's changed. I know that when we used to go camping, uh, when I would go with my friends, it was one of those things that like, you really had to be really careful because you, because they, they take it like, that's what I mean by being like weirdly conservatives. Like they'll, they'll throw you in jail and then set a court date for you. So if like you're, you know, you're from out of town, so you're like, cool, I'm going to go back home. And then, but in, but in, but in two months, I got to be back in Utah to show for this court date for, you know, having a joint or whatever. Like it's really dumb, but weird. Maybe it's um, a medicinal thing, but, or maybe that's just like their tourism board trying to get people trying to get repeat business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's right next to Colorado, though. So it's kind of like at this point, you know, they 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 share a border with Colorado, and yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. So there's so only they're getting so- a contact high in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Alan. This has been really fun, but I need to get serious for a second. Okay. I have a very important question for you. The most important question, probably. How many pinballs can you fit into a 1953 Dodgem bumper car? Uh, so, do you know the answer to this question? Like, have you done the measurement? I am not allowed. I'm. I am not allowed to comment further. Okay. Um, because, because I'd be interested in knowing the actual answer, even if off air. <laughs> like, I wonder if this is like one of those games where you just how many jelly beans are in a jar or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I would say probably 666, or at least I hope that's the answer. It's a nice round number. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you for that. 
Yeah. That's been very enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, this has been so much fun. If, uh, if anyone wants to uh, play a dollar game with Alan, hang out, go say hi at Wedgehead. They're located at 3728 Northeast Sandy Boulevard in Portland, Oregon, of course. You can find them online at wedgeheadpdx.com. Um, you can email Alan at alanwedgehead at gmail.com. They're open Wednesdays through Sundays, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Private rooms ranging from $20 to $60 an hour. All the pinball is on free play, and that price is dependent on how many games are in the pods. Um, anything else that I am missing that people should know about finding you guys or coming to visit you guys? Uh, well, we're actually we're expanding our hours right now, so we're going to be open till eleven most nights. But uh, other than that, that's about right. And I just say the the pod pricing is just a minimum structure. Uh, so the the biggest thing that we get from people is that they think it's like a fee, like you you pay thirty dollars or whatever for this pod, and it's really you just have to spend thirty dollars on food, drink, or merch, and that's what that's what the cost is. So there's actually we're the only place that I think is truly giving away free pinball, um, you know, because there's not an entrance fee. There's not a five dollars or a ten dollar like all you can play fee. It's like literally like you spend with your friends on food and drink. You can play pinball for free. I love it. It's such a great model. I can't wait to come out and see you guys again and participate in the pod model. <laughs> yes. It just sounds really great. Uh, not to say that I've been feeling antisocial lately, but people yeah. are scary right now. So. <laughs> sure, totally, totally. <laughs> awesome. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on and doing this silly little uh, interview with me. Thanks for inviting me. Sure thing. Thanks so much. See you soon. All right, bye. <laughs>